today's show, we're going to talk about growing up biracial um, and what that's like. This is going to be good. So like, subscribe, and share. This episode of No Sugar Coating is brought to you by Flood Zone Car Wash. Flood Zone Car Wash is one of the last full-service car washes in the Metroplex. We have a brand new tunnel and unlimited monthly wash plans. We were voted best customer service with our experienced team. Visit us at floodzonecarwash.com. That's floodzonecarwash.com. Welcome back to No Sugar Coating, where we keep it 100% truth, 100% authentic, with real people, with real stories. Today we're going to talk about being biracial, growing up biracial. Um, we have two guests here today, uh, Emily Pearl and Demarie Heath. Um, Emily Pearl graduated from Oklahoma State University. She's a member of the Alpha Kappa Alpha Incorporated. Uh, she is featured in Voyage Dallas as a daily inspiration inspiring millennial mamas to live a fit life. Um, you can find Emily at I am Emily Pearl um, to see how she prioritizes health um, and fitness and being a mom, right? Um, and then we also have Demarie Heath. Um, he's the owner of DNA Capital um, and Heath Brothers Consulting, operating in federal government contracting space for both uh, Section 8 and real estate and contracted services. All right. So growing up biracial, um, <laughs> tell us what it was like for you. Uh, we'll start with Emily. Um, tell us what it was like for you and then we'll keep it going. <laughs> growing up biracial, I would say I didn't realize I was growing up biracial until I got older. Um, growing up, I grew up in a his predominantly Hispanic area and I just knew I was black. That's, that's what I knew. I didn't really grow up with my Hispanic side of my family. I grew up with the black side of my family and being in a Hispanic area, I wasn't like, I didn't speak Spanish. So I was just, I was a black girl. Once I got to college is when I started spending more time with black people and black women who um, reminded me that I was also uh, Hispanic and that I was mixed. <laughs> and so um, that's when I started to really get in touch with the Hispanic side of myself. And um, yeah, I guess that was, I mean, the main things, I, I don't feel like there was anything like specific, like just growing up, not knowing um, who I was or anything. I just was myself. I was just me. And I just was a black woman until I got to college and, and started realizing like there are things that um, other races and people experience that maybe necessarily I didn't experience. And so that I think that's where they were coming from when they were saying like, girl, you're not you're not black. <laughs> like you're, you're Hispanic, too. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. And so then I just started to really get in touch with the Hispanic side. That's also when I started spending more time with my Hispanic family um, and just getting more in touch with those roots. Yeah, and having an understanding of the culture. I'm and having, mm -hmm. yeah. Cause I didn't really grow up, I guess I grew up with, uh, as far as like extended family, I knew more of my black side, but my mom, we didn't really have a Hispanic culture in the house. Like we weren't speaking Spanish. Mm -hmm. We didn't have like a tradition of anything Hispanic that made it like known to me you know, you're also Hispanic. Like I it just, and so, and then even though being around like my environment, I mean, I had, I mean, of course I'd know Spanish music and, and Latin music and would go, you know, could dance and, and do like those things that were a part of the culture. Um, but I just, I wasn't, it was never like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm Latin American, like I'm Spanish. Like I just, it was never a thing for me growing up. I just knew I was a black woman. Um, so yeah, that's, okay. 
Demarie, what was it like for you? Right. So, <clears throat> you know, fortunately enough, you know, my, my mom and dad, they were, they never, they were never married, right? My mom's white, my dad's black. Um, and it was, you know, looking back on it hindsight, you know, I'm really thankful that my mom was so intent on making sure that I had a relationship with the black side of my family. So growing up, you know, I was always able to be a part of the family reunions, you know, always hanging out with cousins, extended family on my black side, but predominantly living with my mom, you know, in a wider community or with my white side in general. And what I really like about it is the fact that I was always able to hang with both sides, right? She always made it super, um, you know, important to be like, just embrace who you are, right? So I, I always said I was mixed. I was happy to be mixed. I was happy to be like, hey, I'm not just black. I'm not just white. But in regards to like, when I was with the black community, you know, I would always stick out like a sore thumb, right? I could always hang, but as soon as someone said something, just by the way that I speak, you know, articulate in a certain <clears throat> way, people would immediately be like, oh, so you're not really from around, like you look like you're from around here, but you're not necessarily around here. So it was super interesting because I was always able to kind of be a chameleon, you know, kind of get along and just adapt to whatever setting that I was in. Uh, but it was super interesting because I feel like it didn't really hit me in regards to growing up biracial until I actually went to university, right? I went to Texas A&M Commerce, which is a, a more predominantly black school. And at this point in time, you know, I'd gone to Coppell High School, you know, a very predominantly white high school. You know, I'd been exposed to different things that unfortunately some of the kids at the university hadn't been exposed to. So I'm just coming in with a, a far different perspective on life, you know, how I interact with, you know, going about operating a business when I'm interacting just with relationships in, in general. Um, and so it kind of really dawned on me or really hit me that, wow, not only did I recognize this at a young age, even when I'm with my, my black cousins, my brothers, my, you know, my sister, things like that, that I was, I would stick out like a sore thumb. It really actually didn't hit me until I made it to university mm -hmm. because I would, you know, introduce myself. And like I said, it was always that, oh, they're, they're kind of taken back because when I approach you, it's like, cool, dude, I can tell, you know, you're from wherever you're from, but I can tell you, 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 you get down with it. And then as soon as I say something, you can tell like, oh, now we can kind of geographically place you exactly where you're from. And so obviously you don't get down like that. I don't ever feel like it set me back. It was just one of those things where it's like, you either accept me or you don't accept me. You know what I'm saying? Cause I'm going to get down either way. I got people on both sides and, um, I've been blessed with all my relationships. You know what I mean? So, you know, anybody that didn't accept me for, you know, where I came from or, you know, the type of demographic that I was raised in, then obviously they just weren't meant to be in my life at that point in time. Um, and so I've been fortunate enough to just have friends that I just have gelled with, you know, been glued together with things of that nature, which I really appreciate. But I'm, I'm really fortunate, like I said, looking back that my mom made it such a focal point to always be a part of the family reunions, <clears throat> right? Be, be associated with your cousins, know who your family is. Um, even though I didn't get to live with them, I always felt like those summers that I would go there, it was like, I'm never missing a beat, right? You know, we still get down the way we get down, you know, I'm familiar with, you know, how things operate, right? So it's not, this is this foreign thing to me, but of course I would still have my little white nuances. My mom had a little flip phone. I would put on the, on the buckle of my belt. And, uh, that wasn't cool, like <laughs> to my black side of the family. And they were like, dude, why are you always having to, to call your mom to ask her if you can do something? And that's just like me and me growing up with my mom, you know what I mean? Um, but you know, like I said, I, I was fortunate enough to get exposed to both sides. Um, like I said, at an early age and then really stepping out of my comfort zone more so being in a more predominantly black school and just really having to figure out how I can fit in where I get in. So 
Um, give me a quick um, description of your family dynamic. So my mom's Hispanic, like Spain Spanish, um, but she was raised just in the country. And then my dad is black and just black, black. So for me, you know, um, I, I am biracial. My mom is the white one. My dad's the black one. Uh, mom's from a smaller town in East Texas, Pittsburgh, Texas. So a little bit more, you know, kind of country based, kind of out in the sticks. Uh, my dad is originally from another East Texas small town, Dangerfield, Texas, and then we ended up migrating up to, to Dallas. But uh, that's kind of what my family dynamic looked like in that regard. So let me ask you this. So for me, obviously, I, I, I'm not biracial, right? Yeah. But both of you spoke about, um, you know, one side and the other, right? Yeah. So for me, though, growing up, I lived in an all white neighborhood and I was black. Mm -hmm. And so there came some challenges with that within itself, right? And so for me, I leaned, I ended up leaning more towards my white friends than I did with um, my, even my black, my family, uh, more so because we're from a small town, everybody knew everybody and it was yeah. just easier for me, right? Mm -hmm. So my question to you is challenges, like was there um, pressure from either socially, right, from friends or cousins or family or family pressure to lean and go more towards um, one side or the other? <laughs> I, I don't think I ever had any pressure to go towards either side. Um, I definitely, I grew up going to, spending time with my black family every summer, like he was saying, like, um, family reunions, uh, you know, cousins. And I don't know that I never got, I personally didn't experience being treated uh, different because I was mixed. Like, I don't feel, my cousins weren't ever like, oh, I mean, they might've had made the comments like, oh, you act white, even though I'm not half white, but that was a more of because of how I might articulate my words or, or certain things. And I did grow up, I mean, I grew up in, um, predominantly Hispanic area, but then I went to I mean, I went to high school in a predominantly white area um, with predominantly white. So I have again, I've had a good mix of people, and I can I'm just kind of piggyback what he said. Like I'm a chameleon. Like I've been able to just be myself with everybody, with every group. I'm the same person if I'm with any any diverse. I mean, any group of people. Like I'm just me, and I've been able to be that. Um, so I don't think I had anybody like really challenged me or like made me feel down about myself, about um, how I am or how I act or who I am. I don't really have a butt to that because I just, <laughs> I don't so when you asked about challenges, I, I don't feel like I experienced a specific challenge. It was just things that were brought to my attention. Like uh, I remember in college, um, a friend of mine had asked if anybody in the house had a scarf and I, I knew she was talking about a headscarf, and so I, I was like, I do. And then one of my other friends was like, ooh, you want to be black so bad. <laughs> and I was like, I am black. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I'm not, I don't want to be black. I am black. But what's funny is she was light-skinned too, but she wasn't mixed. And so she was just a lighter-skinned black woman. And I, I was just kind of like, like, for if looking at us, we, we look the same, but just because you know I'm biracial, that's what made you able to say that. And um, it, it wasn't like, you know, malicious or like bad or really trying to be mean. She's trying to be funny and, and it was, but I did have a scarf because I, <laughs> I wrap my hair too. <laughs> As for me, 
I would also agree with Emily, right? I've just been fortunate enough not to necessarily feel pressure to be like, hey, be more black or like, hey, be more white. Now, what I, what I will say is, is a lot of my white friends are like, okay, well, even though you're not full black, like you're as black as we're gonna get right now. So like you can dance or like you can do certain things <laughs> like that. And it's like, nah, I, I actually can't dance. You know, that's one of the things that I can't do. And I feel like oddly enough, dancing is one of those things that came up or just like I have rhythm, but I just don't dance. You know what I'm saying? And for some, it, for some odd reason, if we were ever at like a function, social gathering, whatever you want to call it, and like a song came on, <laughs> They're looking at me like, yeah. what's up? You know what I'm saying? You about to get down? And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not about to get down. I'm not, the, I'm not the type of dude to jump in the middle of a little dance circle, nothing like that. Right. But like I said, you know, I wasn't ever pressured to feel one way. You know, one thing my mom taught me growing up is that you're going to experience life through whatever lens that you view it through, right? So people are going to treat you like you treat you. And I always treated me like, I mean, there would be times that I actually forgot that this is what I will say. I'm actually glad that I brought that up because I was speaking with my father about it, right? You know, my father's black there would be times that I would actually forget that I was black, right? I could just interact with the white side so well that sometimes I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I'm not black, but it was one of those things where I would actually forget that I was black or I would forget that I was colored, right? Because I never felt like an opportunity was taken away from me because of my color. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, cause my dad growing up, you know, in a smaller town in East Texas called Dangerfield, Texas, there was, you know, a lot of things that my father would tell me that, Hey, look, you know what I mean? You have to, you have to remember sometimes all these people don't have your best interest at heart. You're a very smart person. Like, don't let them take advantage of you. And, you know, I never really understood where he was coming from. Cause like I said, I just feel like I was just blessed with genuine people, regardless of what color they were in my life. Um, but there was times where I'd be, I, I'd be so comfortable going up and, and talking to a stranger or just talking to a white person and my, and my dad seeing me do that from the outside, looking in and him drawing from his childhood, he wouldn't have necessarily done something like that. But at the same time, you know, my dad even tells me that he had great relationships, kind of like you said, right? He was from a blacker, a more predominantly black town, but he was the person that was plugged in, you know, with all of his white friends and got to experience a lot of the same things that I did when I was younger. He always just wanted me to understand that sometimes, you know, children aren't as fortunate as you. Um, and just to remember where your roots are as well, just because sometimes, you know, predominantly living you know, and like in, in my wider community, sometimes as I've gotten older, I wouldn't always go back to the family reunions or sometimes there would be phases where I would lose kind of touch. And that's why I appreciate going to a university like commerce where it was like, it forced me like, Hey, look, you're out of your comfort zone right now. None of your friends are going to this school previously. This is a different demographic than you were previously in. We're out in the middle of hay bells and corn sticks. Okay. So this is going to be a different experience for you. But this is an opportunity for you to, like I said, kind of delve in and kind of tap into your, your more black roots and to like develop some different relationships from way different perspectives. Okay. See, I like that. <clears throat> so for me, it, again, it was um, leaning more towards away from it, more so because it was, like I said, it was a small town mm -hmm. and, you know, everybody knows everybody. So I get blacks who would, you know, call my parents and tell them they saw me, right? I'd have to worry about that with my white friends because their parents wouldn't call on my parents to say anything, right? Um, so I tended to lean more towards towards that. So when you brought up dancing, I'm kind of the same way. Like I got rhythm, I could do. Now, I've had some practice, so I'm a little older. So I have, I, I am able to get out there and dance now right. um, to R&B, right? But I'll tell you this though, I can two-step. Right. Okay, so yeah. from doing, from doing, from being able to, from being around a group of people. So I can go into the country club, 
boom, two step. You know what I'm saying? I can do I, I can do a little bit of merengue. You know uh -huh. what I'm saying? I got a little bit of that also. You know what I'm saying? So I'm well rounded in that aspect. Do you tend to lean now that you're a little bit older? Mm -hmm. Do you tend to lean towards one race or the other now, one ethnicity or the other? I don't. I am like I mean I'm a lot like my daddy, but <laughs> I I can hang out with anybody almost as far as like uh, culture wise. I can I can be you know in Dallas with my you know, doing hood stuff with my hood friends on a Friday. I can be in Fort Worth in the stockyards on a Saturday, two-stepping, line dancing. I enjoy it all. And I actually really love that about myself, just being able to be diverse and not feel like I have to be a black. Like, even if I'm with, no matter who I'm with, I'm able to just be myself and I don't have to like code switch or, I mean, that's a common like thing you hear about code switching or, or you know, having to act a certain way around white people or having to act a certain way around, around black people. I'm just me and I'm able to get along with all the different races, all the different cultures um, and fit in, really. No, I feel you on that, you know, kind of like she said, I'm the type of dude I could throw on some cowboy boots, hit the mm -hmm. stockyards, I could throw on the forces, you know, go to whatever club we're going to. Um, and it's one of those things where I'm just like happy to be light-skinned. It's like, you're not light-skinned and <laughs> you're not light-skinned, you're on like one side of the track and I get the ability to dip a toe on either side. And also I just, I don't know, it's just one of those things where a lot of people will comment on it. Like my, my hair is curly, but I have lighter, you know, it's just like different things where I don't want to just be black and I don't want to just be white. I want to be light-skinned. I enjoy being light-skinned. I enjoy the fact that it, it, there's a conversation to be had there. I enjoy the fact that it's given me the opportunity to truly grow up viewing two different perspectives compared to, you know, one person only growing up in a predominantly black community or, you know, another individual growing up in a predominantly white community. And when I take my friends over to a more predominantly black community, they're like, dang, like, this is like, this is cool. Like they've never experienced something like a family reunion. They've never experienced anything like just a, a cookout or just some of the cultural things that we do. So it even gives me now an opportunity to open the door for other people to be like, look at what it's like to be like, not just, hey, I'm in a predominantly black, you know, area, whatever the case may be, but I consider you such a close friend. Like, this is how my family is, right? This is what my family does. Now it allows somebody that's not from where I'm from or not biracial to, to get a taste of what that looks like. So they can, you know, see there's a whole new world compared to, you know, what they've been seeing. So I think it actually gives me empowerment to be who I am because now, like Emily said, we're in the, in the stockyards, we're in the stockyards, downtown Dallas, we're in downtown Dallas. But now I have the ability to open and close doors for other people who, like I said, didn't get the opportunity to experience some of the things that I have. Mm, sounds good. I like all your answers. Um, so we'll take a break. We'll be right back. This episode of No Sugar Coating is brought to you by Flood Zone Car Wash. Flood Zone Car Wash is one of the last full-service car washes in the Metroplex. We have a brand new tunnel and unlimited monthly wash plans. We were voted best customer service with our experienced team. Visit us at floodzonecarwash.com. That's floodzonecarwash.com. Welcome back um, to No Sugar Coating. Um, again, we are Today's episode is Growing Up Biracial. Um, we have two guests here. Um, Damari, let me ask you this. Um, your first interaction with police, um, what was that like? Like, were you profiled um, the same way you we would imagine someone who's fully black being profiled? Mm -hmm. 
Well, I'll say one of the first interactions that I actually had with police was with my baseball team. Okay, I think we were like freshmen in high school at the time. It was one of our first team dinners. Okay, and we thought it was a good idea to go out and throw water balloons in the street. Well, I'm trying to get the last, you know, no troop left behind. So we got to walk down this long street, have to turn around, go get somebody that was left behind. In the meantime, you know, one of our pitchers at the time had thrown a water balloon at a moving car. Now, I'm not saying that I condone that activity. It just was what we were doing. Well, we all take off back into the house and not 10 minutes later, we get a knock on the door and there's two police officers standing there and they ask us to single file out of the house. You know, they're seeing everybody. And I can't say that I was profiled, but I can say that I was viewed, like, I guess I would be profiled in that sense, but they did look at me like I was the, the troop leader in regards to starting this organized mm. crime in, in this sense, which was, which was a bit new to me, right? I, I feel like a police officer's profiling of me wasn't really like my, my heavy hitter experience. There was actually an experience that was more recent um, that really just put me in perspective of like, wow, there's really people out there that exist that think of me differently because of my skin color. Um, we were actually out eating dinner and we were in Grapevine, the area where you had this pizza place and we had come outside and me and my friends were, it's my friend's birthday. We were like, let's flick up. Like, you know, this is a cool little spot. Let's flick up and stuff like that. Over the bushes, like pretty close to the vicinity, you hear this, this older white lady say like, what are y'all trying to do? And now we ignore this completely at the time. Like mm -hmm. we don't even know she's talking to us. She comes around the bushes. It's me and you know, three of my other black friends. And she's like, don't take a step closer to me. Like, like, or I'm going to call the police or something like that. And we were looking at each other like, what? And I was actually astounded. I was like, are you serious? Because we're over here taking pictures. There's this whole group of like white moms behind us sitting on the patio eating. And you can just see they got their cameras out there drinking their wine. Like they're about to see something go down. So like I said, we play it off. Well, we're starting to walk back to the car. And she was like, help, help. They're trying to get me. I say, are, are y'all seeing this? I was like, is she really doing this? I'm, she is in the middle of the parking lot. You can tell she's been drinking. She's like, I'm going to go get my husband on you guys. And you guys better stay right there. At this point, like us younger guys, we're dying laughing. We're like, this is actually like comedy. Okay. This is comedy. So she's gone for a little bit. We finished taking our pictures and she's got this heavier set boyfriend, husband, whatever the case may be that comes, you know, fee fi foaming, uh, across the street. As he's like, look guys, what's the problem? And we're like, there's not an issue. Actually, she has the issue with us. And I kid you not, this was, this was really like what, like kind of put it over. She gets a rock from the little rock pile that's in front of a restaurant. She starts heading over. She's like, I'm going to help defend you. And her husband or boyfriend is having to hold her back, throwing the rock down. She's like, don't let them get the rock. They're going to get me. I'm just talking about this it, this ridiculousness. I mean, and like I said, there's a whole crowd of people at this point looking at us. We haven't taken a step near this lady. We didn't even acknowledge this lady because we didn't know she was talking to us, but it actually made my stomach hurt. Cause I'm like, there is real, this, this person is a real person. I am nose to nose with this person. And they really think that we have, because we're, we happen to be in a more affluent area in Grapevine, eating, taking pictures with each other. You know, we got the J's on, like, you know, we're out there having a good time. And she comes to us trying to start a problem and solely because of our skin color, solely because of the skin color. And that was like the most blatant version of profiling that I'd ever experienced. 
and it like made me it like made me sick inside. I was like, I can't one. That's I've never experienced something like that before. Right. But to be like, wow, there are some people. There are not even just some people. I'm sure there's plenty of people in other areas that you know didn't have somebody there just witnessing this all happen, and these are how people are being treated. So it was really kind of like a, a wake up call to be like, wow, some of these people that we see in movies, some of these like hysterical, you know, like profile or racist people, they are they're 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 real, they exist, and regardless of what area you're in, so just getting a taste of that was just sickening. Cause kind of like I described, right? I've been blessed to be around people that were genuine. They never treated me differently. So kind of me getting exposed to the real world or just knowing that, hey, everybody in this world might not be genuine and might care that you're colored. That was like the, the first most blatant experience that I had. And like I said, it just made me sick in my stomach to realize that, hey, you're, you're right. I'm not gonna encounter at all, everybody that's genuine like I have in my life. That's just gonna treat me <clears> with the same level of respect, you know? Yeah. So that was, that was a lot for me to, yeah, to kind of take in. I, I can only imagine, right? <laughs> Especially, you know, growing up and never having to deal with that. Right. Then to have to deal with it at, right. you know, past your 20s. I'm, I'm, you know, you're past your 20s. So, yeah, just yes. to have to deal with that at that age, I can only imagine. Mm -hmm. Anything for you? Um, no? I know, not no? really. Okay. I, I, that I can think of, hadn't really had an experience where I was profiled like because I was a woman of color. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. Really. So I, I haven't I haven't either that I could think of, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know if it's because of the way I see other people. Because for me, you know, I was exposed to white people from the age of two, right? <clears throat> so I've always I've grown up with them, right? Mm -hmm. But I always thought it was their issue i never thought it was because of my color and so i never looked at them as they don't like me because of my color they just have an issue within themselves and i don't know why maybe because my mom always told me ain't nobody better than you but you ain't better than nobody right so at the end of the day growing up i knew that there was no no matter what color they were they weren't better than me mm -hmm. but i also knew that I wouldn't bear than anybody. So we all in this together, right? right. So I just kind of the way I looked at it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of why I you know, was asking that. Um, let me ask you this. If, if you could go back to your younger self, so we'll say y'all still young anyway. So let's just say <laughs> 10 years ago, if you could go back 10 years and talk to um, someone who's another child that's growing up biracial, mm -hmm. right? Who may be having different issues, or maybe, <clears throat> maybe have may have not ha had it as nice as you have, because you have biracial kids who still live in the hood, mm -hmm. or biracial kids who um, live on the other side in an affluent neighborhood, and may be struggling or dealing with in themselves, maybe mm -hmm. not knowing which side they need to be on, or what, or whether they even need to be on a side, or mm -hmm. they have people who tease them because you know the world is cruel right mm -hmm. and so you don't know if somebody's teasing them say hey you're not black enough or you're not hispanic enough or you're not white enough or you're not mm -hmm. whatever um what would you say to them one and then also as a parent um what would you say to a parent who's raising a, um, a biracial kid to be aware of because i'll tell you um i wasn't aware of a lot of things again because of the way i was raised 
I did I wasn't aware of what biracial kids go through, right? Mm-hmm. Just from being this or being that from either side. Um, so what what is some advice you could give a parent? And then what is some advice you would give your younger self or someone that you that could help them? Um, and so if you could just look into the camera and um, and talk to them, uh, if whoever wants to start first, it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, but just, yeah, look into your camera and just give them something that you think would, would help. Absolutely. I would say, because it is common to hear that you're not black enough, you're not Hispanic enough, you're not white enough for it to fit into either or any specific group. And I would really encourage you to just be yourself, be okay with not being black enough. You don't need to be, because you're not all of one race and embrace that because the world is not black and white or black and, I mean, just too specific of anything. The world is very diverse and I've, I've had the pleasure of traveling a lot. Um, and I've even, I mean, there are certain countries that they don't even see a lot of, there are a lot of, especially Asian countries who don't see a lot of um, color. And so being able to go out, see the world, you'll see that people are diverse everywhere. And the fact that you can fit in to anywhere, as long as you're yourself and you're confident in yourself, that's a blessing in itself. You don't want to have to be just black if you're just white, just Hispanic, and feel like you have to be enough for anybody and and any particular group. Be yourself. And on the parent level, just don't be, I would advise not being, um, don't ignore any particular race or um, culture that you your child is like let and introduce them to both sides introduce them to um the diversity within themselves even if you're a single parent and you know they don't have a lot of uh whatever the other race is in their life or that family's not in their life like find a way to introduce them so that you're not tone deaf to the realities of the world and that they aren't tone deaf to the realities of who they are. Because at the end of the day, they are biracial and they are not one race. Absolutely. And, and kind of touching, you know, on that same thing, right? You know, what I would tell, you know, a kid that might be struggling right now and understanding like what side of the track should I stand on, you know, or should I even stand on one particular side? You know, like I said, very similar. I, I would actually embrace the fact it's been nothing but a blessing in my life, fortunately, for you know me to enjoy being and seeing these different perspectives right so i wouldn't put that pressure on yourself to fit in anyone's box of you because they're not the dictator and they don't create the box that's that's number one right and fortunately i have a great relationship with the man upstairs you know uh, my lord and savior and i've always just relied on him right he's always put me in a situation um that's you know advantageous to me and i've always prayed to him and just ask him you know, to always, you know, bless my relationships and bless the people in my life and just to give me confidence in myself. So I would highly recommend that if anybody, if you feel like anybody's trying to put you in one box or saying, hey, just be black, hey, just be white, just be Hispanic, just be Asian, just be whatever, just one thing. Like I said, they don't make the box, right? We get to choose what box we stand in if we want to stand in a box or we can say, hey, I want a little bit of this box. I want a little bit of that box. I want all of that box, right? So I would just say, enjoy being who you are. I would say, you know, if anybody's trying to put those confinements on you, that's probably not a person that should be in your life at this time. Maybe they will one day. But like I said, as long as you are being the best version of yourself in regards to relationships, all the best relationships are going to be attracted to your life. And I'm just a, a confident believer in that. And then when it comes from a parent's perspective, like I a thousand percent agree, 
right? Don't ignore, you know, the gifts that you've given, you know, your child, regardless of what cultures are mixed in, you know, to your child. Definitely expose them to that. And like I said, I was fortunate enough to, you know, get the opportunity to go see my other side. But I would say, looking back, I could have definitely done it more. And I realized that I could have definitely been a part of that, that other side, like my, my black side a bit more, like I said, going to college, right? Because some people just, you know, me and some people just didn't click. And like I said, it was simply because of where I was from and they were assuming, oh, well, because you come from a predominantly, you know, white, you know, place, you're just trying to play beer pong. You're just trying to hang with the frat dudes, whatever the case may be. When in reality, I can get down with anybody right now, again, it's not my job to convince somebody to like me. You're going to like me or you're not going to like me, right? But from a parent's standpoint, it's just super important that your your son, your daughter are not completely blindsided by the realities of either side of their identity, right? Just so they have a full understanding. So that, that would be my recommendation for, for both, you know, mom and dad and just for anybody that might be struggling with trying to make that decision because you don't have to make that decision. You can just be the exact person you're being right now and of course, just enjoy and embrace the person that you're being. Absolutely. I want to thank you both for coming today. Um, however, I do want to say this. Um, being biracial is okay. We live in a society that is very mixed now. Um, and so I say that because as we go, this is what's going to be able to bring us to reconciliation um, with each other, with other ethnicities is the, the kids and the people growing up that are mixed because as the old society, as they get older, you had white and black, you had Hispanic. And so the ethnicities were so separated. And so now as a, as a, as a culture, as a society, we have an opportunity coming to us where mixed kids will be able to reconcile this country and have an opportunity to reconcile this country. So, Always remember that your child is 50-50. They're not just black, they're not just white, they're not just Hispanic, they're mixed or Asian or whatever, whichever ones we forgot. Just know that um, there, there is an opportunity for our country and our society to get better than what it is right now. So with that, uh, I just want to thank you all for taking your time to view us. Thank you too for thank uh, for coming to see us for being on the show, um, and that's a wrap. The No Sugar Coating Show is powered by GospelFirstMinistries.org.